1: What
2: is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of K Galasso. I am your host today, Heath Pierce. I am filling in for the wonderful Ian Joy. But I've got my favorite guests with me, Nigel Rio Coker and Mike Lahizi Lahoud, a former teammate of mine. Boys, we got a lot to break down from the weekend, but we're going to go right off the top, starting with Arsenal, Liverpool. Before before we get into sort of the game flow itself, uh, I'll start with you, Nigel. Do you have any grievances you want to air from, from, from this match? Is there anything that's bothering you? Anything that you want to get off your chest before we get into some of the other stuff that may be a little more neutral?
1: You know, what, honestly, I can't really say so. I think for me, it was just a great game of football. I think the only disappointing thing I would say it was a soft penalty that was given to Arsenal because in reality, the game was fantastic. I think that soft penalty was a real harsh decision, and Arsenal did play great, but Liverpool did well as well, considering this transition that they're going through, and it was a great game of football for the neutral, but I think the penalty decision is the one thing that really, I would say, was disappointing.
2: Michael Hood, mm. is there, do you agree with this? Is, that, is this what's on <sighs> as well? I mean, do you think a result like this, you need a little bit of luck when you go on a run, right? In the form yeah. that you're in. Luck tends to fall your way. Do you, do you think that, I mean, obviously, I, I I know you agree that it's a soft penalty call, uh, but was there anything else from that match that 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 caught your eye from the top?
3: Gosh, it it, it just whether the penalty kick or the call happened, it's just been a calamity of errors from Liverpool. It gets worse and worse each week, and I can't wait to go in the in the weeds with this. But at the end of the day, in a big game like this, you just hate to see the referee be the center of attention again. It's happening too much with VAR. Well, let me go back to you on this one then, Liverpool. What is the state that
2: you feel that they're in right now? Obviously not starting the season as strong as they want. We saw last year, same thing, but they get on they quickly make pace and they keep pace with 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 the top of the table. Right now, they're a little bit behind that. Uh, do you think that this is a a year that's going to be hard for them to bounce back on?
3: Absolutely. I think it's getting into panic stations. Their saving grace has been the Champions League. That's been an outlet for them. But even that, they played Rangers, the worst team in the group and probably one of the worst teams in the competition. And that can give you a false sense of security. There are deep, deep rooted problems in this Liverpool team. Number one, going into this game, how do you not start Bobby Firmino? He's one of your leading goal scorers. He looks to be the only person who has confidence about him. He showed it on the second goal, well-timed run, even better finish. And Darwin Nunez, yes, he scored today, quality goal, goal poachers goal. But there's just more about this team that I'm worried about. Midfield. I said at the start of the season, they're midfield. They need more depth. They need to freshen it up. And Thiago and, and Jordan Henderson, I did not think they had a great game. They had moments. But defensive transition is where they got exposed by Arsenal.
2: Nigel, uh, on, on the same note, Mosala subbed off, not his season. Are we seeing the end of, uh, of, of perhaps? Uh, I mean, it's, maybe it's too little to say the end of an era within that group, but obviously, uh, Sadio Mane leaves, and now you've got Mosala subbed off. Is it, is it going to be an off year, or do you think he's got that ability still to turn the season around for them?
1: It's a disappointing year, Eve. I think for me, yeah. what, uh, Mike and I tapped on it before as well. We said it that Sadio Mane is a big miss for this Liverpool side, it really is a big miss, and it's showing. Salah, for me, hasn't been really the same as we've all talked about. And I'm sure that's probably one of the reasons why I feel that Mane left, because he didn't feel appreciated as much as everything was about Salah. Salah signs his new big deal. He hasn't been delivering. That's just the reality. He hasn't been performing at the highest level. And it's not just Salah. It's the whole Liverpool team. Again, Jürgen Klopp's talking about not being so predictable, and it seems like he's trying to reinvent the team. Do you really reinvent the team with the players, or is it at times where you need to change the manager? That's the problem Ooh, nice. right now at Liverpool. I mean, you want to reinvent it, the, team. Yeah. It's reinventing the team, not changing the manager and bringing new, fresh ideas and something different. That's something we've got to discuss. You've got to give credit to, to Arsenal. I think Arsenal were fantastic today. And for me, Liverpool are not in the title race. I don't care how early it is. I think with the performances we're seeing from this Liverpool team, we cannot say that they're title contenders. They're in a race to maybe finish in the top four, which is going to be difficult.
2: Well, let me ask you this, then. Do you think Arsenal are title contenders for the season? I mean, we see that they have some vulnerabilities, but they continue to grind out results. And with each week, you start to have a little more belief that maybe they can hang on. Maybe they can hang on. Unfortunately, there's a team called Manchester City in this league uh, that's uh, extremely difficult to get past. But do you think, Nigel, uh, coming to you first and then followed by you, uh, LaHood, uh, that Arsenal are true title contenders? Are they? Are they convincing you a little bit more with these types of results?
1: think so yeah i said it from the other time i think it was a statement win in the north london derby and today was another big test and, and they passed it you know i think what, what i really admire about arsenal is the togetherness and the coming back now from kind of adversity you know old arsenal mm-hmm. teams would have crumbled once liverpool yeah. got that goal and would have just folded away and then you'd see liverpool win for me the character and that strength of character and the togetherness and that real determination and before they got the soft penalty i got to give credit that was great high pressure by arsenal literally was edge of the seat stuff. You can see Liverpool players throwing themselves at it, defending with their lives, but it was great determination, great resilience by the Arsenal team. They're shown. And obviously, fortunately they get the penalty. But I definitely believe that Arsenal are in the title race. Definitely for this year.
2: How about you, Michael Hood? Eight wins, one yep. loss, right? Uh, and, and, and cruising, right? There you don't, you can't get to those types of stats at the beginning of the season. Yeah. After nine matches, you're going to eventually play good games. Like, you ta- like, like Nigel talked about, North London Derby, now you have a result here. Do you think their belief is
3: that we might have something special going on right now? Oh, their belief is through the roof. The red half of London should be buzzing right now. I know it's nine games. They haven't played Manchester City yet. That game will decide if they are true title contenders. But what I love about Arsenal is that they're making the Emirates a fortress, To be good in the Premier League, yes, you have to go on the road and get results and scrap, but Liverpool teams of the past, City teams of the past, United teams – yes, Nigel, I had to say United – but United teams of the past, going to their home stadiums, you already knew you lost. And for Arsenal, there's that believability when you can grind out results. I actually – Nigel, I want to challenge you with that. I actually didn't think in the first half they played their best football. I thought – they were very fortunate to get that goal, but you have to put yourself in the right places. Their their willingness to get numbers forward on the counterattack, that's been the biggest difference I've seen with this Arsenal team when things aren't going their way is they get four or five players on the counter, and that's down to this defensive solidarity that Saliba provides. Him and Gabriel, Gabriel, he's going to make mistakes. He's, it's just what you get with him. He's very aggressive, made a mistake on the goal. But when you have leadership and consistency in Saliba, that now filters down the spine, and you're seeing this confidence grow defensively first, and it's turning into attack and goals. Oh, I like I this. Nigel, do, uh, uh,
1: Mike, yeah, as go ahead. well. I was just going to say, I think what you have to look at, Mike, as well is, sometimes when you look at these championship teams, they're going to have periods where they're not playing well. Hmm. And even when they're not playing well and they're getting results, something you need to take note of that's something you need to be scared of because it's all part of that winning mentality and just like he said they win today confidence in that dressing room is going to be sky high confidence is going to be so high now that they beat liverpool one of the teams that people will say this is a real test for arsenal they came through that test the confidence in that dressing room is going to grow tremendously and they're really going to start to believe and because they've got such a great togetherness there isn't really a reliance on one specific player arsenal let's be real Gabriel Jesus has been the X factor, has changed that team, that mentality. And another thing, like he said, look at Martinelli's performance today. He didn't even make the last Brazil squad pull up. So it just shows you the talent that they have there. And also it shows you the talent that Brazil has and the Mm -hmm. strength that they have looking to that World Cup. Because a performance like that, you would think he's a star for the Brazil national team because he was absolutely sensational today.
2: Yeah, it's an incredible thing when that mentality, Mike, uh, comes comes to life, right? You see Gabriel Jesus yeah. tracking all the way back into his own box, trying to secure those wins. That's a thing that those are the mm. intangibles, you know, in a locker room when you have that belief from people saying, hey, we're going to get out of this with the result. We're going to do whatever it takes. And sometimes that's tough to get buy-in across the board. But it seems like at this moment, they they know how to get that that sort of uh, win within reach, and they're willing to do anything mm. to, to, to see it out.
3: Hey, you saw the North London Derby. Jesus coming back. And I thought it was because he was playing against Rich Charleston and the whole competition for the Brazilian national team. But credit to Mikel Arteta. You have to get buy-in from your new signings. Remember, a year ago, this is only a year ago that Arsenal were in just dire straits. Aubameyang, the crisis there. He got rid of Mesut Ozil. He got rid of so many players. This is a new look team. I believe he finally has his team. And what you saw in the second half of the season, last season, although they didn't get Champions League, they went on a tear and you're now seeing that confidence spill over with the additions of champions like Gabriel Jesus. And and think of what might have been if Zinchenko would have been on the field today. Big, bold move to go with Tomayasu at left back. It shows the depth that's starting to grow in this team. When Liverpool, I look at it when Liverpool made their subs, Bobby Firmino, Lucho Diaz, I think him going out was a big factor of it that will not be discussed enough. I think that changed the game. Firmino coming on, they get the offensive boost with a goal. But when I look at this Arsenal team and I look at their benches, you look at who Liverpool have to come on offensively, and you don't see it right now. Their they're, they're front four, Jota, Firmino, was it Nunez, and Salah, once they came off, the game was done. And Liverpool were almost desperate to get out of there with, with a draw or, or hoping Arsenal wouldn't fire. And I think there's a turning of the tide and a changing of the guard that's happening in the Premier League. The fear factor that's associated with Liverpool is going away and, and just the confidence factor and the fear factor of going to the Emirates is starting to reignite itself.
1: Go um, ahead, I'm man. just going to say, just to add to what you said, Mike, this is, I'm going to throw a little grenade there or something there. Mm. You're right. Mikel Arteta finally has his team and you can see an identity coming there. My thing is this now, is that above board, the hierarchy of Arsenal, are they going to really start to show greater belief in Mikel Arteta now and give him funds to reinforce? Because if they really want to compete at all levels, they still need to improve that substitute bench and that squad, that real strength in depth. Because right now, starting eleven, fantastic. few players that can come on, make a difference. But would you say squad for squad, players that the teams like Manchester City, they're going to be competing against, you know, the likes of of Tottenham and other clubs like that, along those lines, Mm. do they really have that strength in depth? Or are they one or two injuries away from problems? So now, is the Arsenal board going to be willing to back Mikel Arteta, in the next transfer window to get some real serious reinforcements. Because if you look at Gabriel Jesus and obviously you look after Jesus, if Jesus gets injured, where do they go next? There's too much of a big gap for competing at the level that they want to compete. They need to get another high quality striker in that can keep it going. If anything happens to Jesus.
2: Absolutely. They're certainly yeah. going to have to have depth if they want to challenge uh, both now and in the future and reestablish themselves as a year in year out champions league team. And if you're just joining us on YouTube, get in that chat. And tell us what you thought of the game. We are talking about Arsenal, Liverpool. But we are going to jump over now, guys, to yes. the top three things from the Premier League, right? Uh, and so anybody that's watching and or listening to this, let us know what you thought of the Premier League weekend. Throw those comments in if you're watching this live. We'll start with uh, the top three things here. So I'm going to go with you first, Michael Hood. What's yep. the one thing that you that you like from the, from the weekend? We'll, we'll have each of us tee off one conversation mm. topic and we'll elaborate on it. What's, the,
3: what's your one thing from the Premier League this weekend that you want to discuss? I know Nigel is sitting there thinking I'm going to go USMNT heavy, and I was so tempted. I was so poised for this. I see him rolling his eyes and knowing you were going to be on the show, Heath. I'm going to make a massive pivot. I'm going even further north. Newcastle, fifth place Newcastle, baby, 5-1 win. One loss to their name, the team that no one's talking about. Eddie Howe is doing miracle working up at St. James's Park. What I love about this team is their ability to press as a unit. I love it. And the linchpin of their defensive work in midfield was a Joe Willick, Longstaff, and Bruno Guimarães. This guy is a stud. He should be on the plane. I, I, he's, I think he's even going to challenge to start for Brazil, because that's how good he's playing. He was one of their leading goal scorers last year. Uh, I think it was a January transfer that he came over, and he just fits the Premier League. He reminds me of one of those old-school midfielders that can pick up the ball, do, Mr. Do Everything, tackle, drive on a counter. The first goal he scored, super impressive. Diving header, bullet header into the side netting, and then the second goal. I mean, just the desire, the direct play. He says, I'm going to take it myself. The responsibility he's taking over this team You love it. And up top, Callum Wilson. This guy has to now start being in the conversation for the England squad because he's playing lights out. Miguel Amiron, another MLS guy. Nigel, going to have to give my MLSers a shout. But this guy, last season, he, he was floundering. This season, he's looking like the flying Paraguayan. He scores a goal, and he goes to the corner flag, gets the flag out. Everything is going right for Newcastle. Really, really like this team. And to sound off, remember, this is a Newcastle team that almost beat Manchester City. They probably gave City the biggest game of the season so far. In the end, it was a draw. Hey, you don't get
2: to, you don't get to almost beat anybody. Either you beat them ah, or you don't. You don't get to yeah, almost beat anybody. It was a great Nigel, performance. Me, okay, it was a great perform- performance. Nigel, what's your thoughts on 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 this Newcastle squad right now and then when you when you finish that thought, take us into your your one moment from the weekend as well. Could be a player, could be a team, could be a uh, result. Uh let, let me know what you think.
1: I think it's a great squad. I really do. I think that um, Eddie Howe is a great manager as well. And I'm very glad that they're giving the opportunity to show how much of a good manager he is because it's him that's getting these guys to gel together. And how they're doing it in Newcastle, they're doing it slowly and quietly. They're getting players in. They're getting the right players in that fit the system and their style of play. And they're building something special. That's just why I look at this Newcastle team. They're building something special. Them not competing in Europe helps as well. The more they play together. So you, it's think, you, think it's a pro- you
2: think the project is well underway? Like the project that we're going to see is, well underway is in the Castle. seeds are being watered right now to build those pieces uh, before you yes. start to see the big, big names come in to support that.
1: 100%. I definitely think so. I think for me, my take of this weekend, I'll have to give it to Chelsea. Yes, Michael, Chelsea. I thought that they played fantastically well. They played mm-hmm. fantastically well. It's great to see uh, Christian Pulisic gain some game time. And he really did take the opportunity. He was fantastic. He looked a bit rusty in the first half. And obviously that comes because of not playing. You know, you can't really Mm -hmm. blame the young lad that he's not getting enough game time, but he was fantastic. And he took the opportunity that was presented to him to get some game time. And uh, he did himself all the favours he could. You know, and it's only good for himself, but also it's only Mm going to benefit USA that the more game time he gets for this up-and-coming World Cup, he can really be fit and ready to go. But Chelsea's performance was fantastic. And the worrying thing for me is I look at Wolves and wolves looked absolutely horrendous. They looked really mm. bad. They looked so lost in the sense of no real system, no style. Um, just giving the ball away so cheaply, couldn't keep possession. They looked like a championship side, but Chelsea mm. did play very well. And it was great to see, uh, like I said, your boy Pellecic get a goal in the uh, play a fantastic game.
3: Mm, mm, mm.
2: uh, Lahoud, uh, quick quick note on on Pulisic before we we jump
3: over to mine. Yeah, you could see the relief. In his face and the excitement of um, it almost reminded me with the US men's national team. I forgot which game it was, but he had, a, he had a, a moment where he came off the bench and he scored a goal where Greg Berhalter was really testing his character and resolve and will and saying, can you be the guy we can rely on to not just have the armband, not just be Captain America, but but can you be the guy? And you saw just the believability that he had and just the regaining of confidence. What I loved about the goal was he and Mason Mount, and Mason Mount starred in this game getting a couple of assists, but he and Mason Mount, the telepathy on Pulisic's goal, he still had a lot to do when he did that given goal. In the first half, although he was misfiring, I thought he was Chelsea's most dangerous player getting into good spots. It looked more like the Christian Pulisic of old. I love what Chelsea are doing now. They have the flexibility of playing a back three, uh, what, three, four, three that we've seen under Thomas Chukol, and also a back four and a four, two, three, one. It, it, it leaves different teams with different problems to solve. He, Connor Gallagher, Mason Mount, the mobility in that midfield three is a nightmare to keep tabs on because all those players can run, all those players can pop up in different places. But that interchangeability between he and Mason Mount, I think that is Christian Pulisic at his best playing with someone that he has chemistry with. I like that. Well, the
2: thing that I'm going to move over to then is actually the Leeds match. It was one of the more complete first halves I've seen from Leeds in terms of dictating the flow of play, having an actual system. I saw Tyler Adams get into the attack and set up Bamford on a ball that he should have been able to put through. Brendan Aaronson slaloming through to set up the first goal. A really good performance from the Americans, but Leeds starting to have a little bit more, at least in the first half, uh, of of something that might give them a foundation to survive or do well in the Premier League, right? that high energy stuff works until you get punched in the face. They were controlling the run of play one stupid uh, set piece. They then go one, one and they're able, they're not able to get out with any points on a day like this. They've got to start to extend those longer, but, but, but leads, I'm starting to see just a little bit of a, um, just a new way of playing. That's not just, you know, you know, kissing the crest heart fight and things like that, because we know the premier League's so good that to do that for, for 38 matches just isn't sustainable. So There are some glimpses there that I'm starting to see, and I thought overall decent performances from the Americans. But look, we're going to take our quick uh, first and only break of this show. Uh, When we come back, we've got three things from Syria as well as uh, a little whip around Europe. So we'll be right back.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
2: Welcome back, everybody. And just as we are coming out of this break, I saw a comment that says we should mention that wolves are in a free fall. Nigel mentioned that. Uh, already mm-hmm. uh, yeah. within the show. Um, but listen, guys, let's move on to uh, three things from Serie A. We're going to go down it the same way. We've got AC Milan uh, with a 2-0 win over Juventus. Udinese 2-2 with Atalanta. Sassuolo falling at the death. Dzeko uh, to the uh, rescue in this one. And then, of course, I'm not sure where uh, the Napoli game is at, but Simeone, uh, from, from what I understand... Uh, put them back up in front with the glory goal, becoming the hero right away. So I'll go with you, Nigel Rio Coker. Where do you want to start in Serie A from your moment of the weekend?
1: For me, I saw a bit more of an energetic NC Milan display. They absolutely dominated Juventus. Really did dominate them. I wanted to see that same energy when they played Chelsea in the Champions League. And I'm sure they're going to give Chelsea a real game at the San Siro for this uh, week's Champions League competition. But they dominated Juventus. Juventus are currently right now in such dire straits right now. And uh, Vladovic was very fortunate not to concede a penalty because for me, that looked like a deliberate handball that should have been given a penalty. And it was a uh, complete dominance. And you really wonder what is happening at Juventus in the sense, are they going to make the decision or is it really the financial burden that's really yeah. stopping them? Because they just look like they could not compete with AC Milan.
2: Nigel, do you think that uh, Vlahovic is... is, Do you think this is a a short stop, a pit stop for him in his career and where he could likely end up leaving there sooner than later if if, if he's not getting the service? Or do do we think that he's not quite the player that we saw he was when he was, you know, the only guy that was generating attack for his former club?
1: He looks like he's lost confidence because he had an absolute shocker yesterday. And he was at fault for giving the ball away cheaply with a winning goal for AC Milan. And he just looks like he's lost complete confidence. So when you see that again... The Juventus players' just heads just went down. And he just he looks like a completely different player now. I think that the fact he's not getting the service, he's not scoring goals, and everything is becoming a burden to him that he just doesn't look like he's enjoying himself. And it's only going to be, again, it's a matter of time whether they're going to have to say, right, it's not working out for him, how we expected it to here. We have to cut our losses and maybe let him go somewhere else. Because right now, this Juventus team, again, a team that's completely
3: in free fall.
2: Michael Hood, any thoughts on this uh, AC Milan Juventus match, or do you want to take us to your next uh, your next moment of the weekend?
3: Yeah, just a, a quick word. I'm so glad we talked on Vlahovic because so much is put in and so much was put on getting him from Fiorentina that he was going to be the guy, and he was this was this was almost set up to fail. Because you need good players around you. You need players in form if you're a striker of his caliber. With his Serbian national team, he looks like a different player because he's playing with Dusan Tadic. He's playing alongside Mitrovic. These are players that are in form, doing well, and will provide the service. I know Mitrovic is a goal scorer, but he can set them up as well. Vlahovic, what I saw that I, I hadn't seen before today, he was dropping deep to get the ball. That is not Dusan, Duhan, or Dusan Vlahovic at his best. He's an out-and-out target player. And if I'm Juventus, I would start thinking about going with Milik because Milik at least looked more dangerous. Do you start Moises Keane? When Moises Keane came on the field, I thought he posed more problems getting two or three dangerous looks at goal, more so than Dusan Vlahovic got throughout the entire match. And for Milan, the impact of Theo Hernandez, you cannot understate that. You saw more of a dangerous Rafa Leal. Taylor Hernandez, giving that width on the left-hand side, getting forward, bombing forward almost like a left winger, allows Leal to float in and around Giroud, and it looked more like the Milan that we're used to seeing.
2: Well said. Uh, Mike, for the sake yeah. of time, I'm going to count that as your your moment of the well, weekend. As I, well. actually, Obviously, okay. But I, actually, it is yeah. worth noting that I, I know that uh, uh, Nigel was talking about Pogba being a big miss, but AC Milan were missing a number of their players as well uh, in mm. this match and didn't have their anywhere near their best team, and they were able to come out of that with just grinding out that type of result and making it difficult for Juventus but go ahead Mike what do you have another moment yeah. for us
3: yeah just, i have i have a moment this was the 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 real game that i was keeping an eye on atalanta udinese second versus okay. third heck of a game Gasparini, i think well, he I almost overthought this one it was they're up 2-0 and the impact of luis morel was incredible he he sets up the first adama lukman goal peeling out his runs in behind such a clever runner off the ball you saw what he did at sevilla comes to italy brings that That confidence up top and unselfish play. And then the second goal, just wizardry on the ball, baits his defender, draws the PK, and then dispatches it in. And as soon as he and Lookman go off the field, I don't know why Gasparini subbed them off. It made no sense to me because they were in cruise control. As soon as they came off the field, it was one-way traffic. And this is an Udinese team that is so good on set pieces. And Gerard Feo, six assists on the season, 13 goals last season. I think 13 goals, five assists. He finally gets his goal on a well-taken free kick. It was going to take something special to get Udinese back in the game. And they got it through Delphi, who also set up the second goal with a, a key pass in the box. This is a team that not a lot of people are talking about, but I think almost in that Napoli sort of ape. They're not; they don't have the quality that Napoli have. But keep an eye on this team. I think, especially at home, they could be for real this season.
1: So, Mike, are you basically blaming the manager, saying that he subs cost him to get cost him the
3: game to get a draw? Absolutely. Yeah? I, so thought was, I thought it, it was. Down, I, it. I thought it was down. I thought it was down. I said. Man, he he messed up. Hey, he he attack the
1: manager, attack the manager, Mike. Don't, he, no, over, it, you know. he overthought it. But, he overthought no, it. No, you're right, Mike. It was a great game. It was a real great, great, great game of football. And I think those subs cost him the three points. That's what it was. I think you lose that threat. And for me, it, it's a questionable substitution as well. with The fact that Atlanta don't have European competition. You can surely concentrate all your energy on Serie A. You know, there's going to be times to rest players throughout the Christmas, so you do wonder why he made those substitutions, because they went from taking all three points comfortably to having to share the spoils with one point each, and remember, they've conceded the fewest goals in Serie A as well, so I'm sure he will not be happy with that, the fact of um, conceding so late, but it was a fantastic game, and you do have to say again, Lanta are really serious title contenders, as well as Udinese. Udinese put some fight and some spirit, and that goes to, you got to give credit to them as well, because as much as we're talking about Atalanta and Napoli, but to be 2-0 down against one of the top sides in Serie A and to come back, that shows great character there and great resilience with that Udinese squad as well.
2: Well, real quick, uh, you know, just before we move on, if you're if you're watching this live or listening to this later, the, the Napoli match just wrapped up. It was uh, 1-1 when we were coming into the show. It finishes 4-1. Oh, Chuki Lozano scores one. They end up winning 4-1. Giovanni Simeone with the winner. And then Matias Oliveira. Uh, to make it four-one to wrap that game up, and then my one game from the weekend again is that Inter Milan Eden Dzeko. This guy was still this guy was playing in the Bundesliga when I was in the Bundesliga that long ago. But he's still this guy that's kind of undervalued, underappreciated. But if you put him into spots, he scores goals and he keeps his teams in matches regardless of who he's playing for. He's just kind of got that career uh, ability uh, to to keep scoring goals. And you know, the, for the final moments of the show, Nigel, it's going to be you and I. So we're going to say goodbye to our friend Mike Lahood. He's got a busy day ahead of him. Mike, we appreciate you jumping on. Any final thoughts for us before we let you go?
3: Yeah, this was one heck of a weekend of European soccer and soccer throughout the world. Um, Always great to be on the show with you, Heath. Nigel, you know how I feel about you. I don't like you. No, just kidding. Always great to be on the show with you. But um, just keep an eye on just the number of games these teams are playing, whether the Champions League, Europa League. I think the the tiredness factor is going to start to show itself at this point in the season and moving beyond having, you know, the world cup, just something to keep an eye on. Well, well said. All right, Michael. Oh.
1: Take the plea deal. Take the plea
3: okay,
2: deal. Take the plea <laughs> <key> <laughs> deal. For those of you who are just uh, listening to this in audio form, Mike has a solid white brick wall uh, that we were joking about uh, that, that he was uh, in in the police station waiting for his lawyer to show up before he talked anything. So we'll see Mike out. Michael, Hood, thank you so much for joining us today and all the best the rest of the day. Now Nigel let's do a little whip around uh, the rest of Europe. Obviously we've got the uh, Dortmund Bayern game finishes 2-2 in the final moments. Uh, this one was bizarre to me because one Anthony Modeste you wouldn't expect to uh, eventually make his way to a Bayern Munich at this point in his career, but he does misses a huge chance with a few minutes left to play only to be the hero in the end to get the, uh, to go level 1-1. Also some bad news in this match for uh, anybody in in CONCACAF. Alfonso Davies suffers a skull contusion, bruising of the skull um, uh, they say he's doing well given the circumstances, but this was an interesting one for me going back and forth, uh, in this game, uh, both teams having chances, but, but overall, um, a little bit of a difficult one, but, but, uh, Dortmund able to get a point out of this. Any thoughts?
1: Yeah, it was a great game. Another great game of football. We've been so sport this weekend. Fascinating encounter. I felt for me that Bayern were with a better team that had the better chances and, Really and truly, Bayern should have put that game way mm-hmm. beyond Dortmund's reach. You know, my name missed a great opportunity in the first half with a diving header. Um, they weren't oh man,
2: enough. with the goal open,
1: by they the way. The goal was basically yeah, open exactly. on that diving header. Yeah. Bayern Munich just weren't clinical enough. And it goes to this change at Dortmund again. You know, we're seeing a lot of young players coming through and, and having fantastic impact. Give them credit, great character. The comeback against this Bayern side, which still, as Mr. Ian Joe would say, they are problems. Bayern Munich as he always likes to say but um, Dortmund coming back and getting that uh, equaliser so late in the game and obviously I think Oliver Kahn's reaction is probably the best that we've seen in such a long time because we know what it means when Bayern Munich play Borussia Dortmund and um, yeah I, I think here Dortmund are still working the kinks out, still trying to find that identity and get back to what we know Dortmund are, they produce great talent, they have great players coming through Um, Bayern Munich, again, questionable, real questionable to not be clinical, to have the better chances to dominate most of the game and not be able to see it all the way home.
2: Yeah, one of the great moments from this game. Obviously, the Kings of Coman sending off uh, was was a little bit interesting, but uh, uh, Yusufa Mukoko being the youngest goal scorer ever in this matchup between Dortmund and Bayern. At, I think seventeen years. I don't know how many days, but um, a, a bright moment there. But overall, like you said, a theme that's that's been consistent this year with Bayern Munich of of, of creating the chances but not finishing. And a lot of that people have continue to go back to of saying you haven't replaced Lewandowski. You're trying to play a false nine system where you're going to try to create, they, they do get a lot of numbers in and around the box, but most of it's inside, not a lot of width in, in, in uh, at, at times. So, um, they've got to be able to finish their chances if they want to sit at the top of the table for the entire season. Uh, let's move over to, to, uh, Ligue 1, uh, where no messy, no goals. So this is a nil nil between Rims <laughs> and PSG. Um, weirdly, uh, Florin Bolligan, who's a dual national, um, I thought had a great match in this one. Even before Sergio uh, Sergio Ramos was sent off in this one, I thought Reims still had the better of chance. Oh, let me put it this way. PSG had the bigger chances, but less of them, whereas Reims had a lot of half chances in and around the goal that they weren't able to convert. This one finishes um, nil-nil. Uh, now, before we get into this game itself, Nigel, do you have were you or any of your teammates uh, that you know always the ones getting sent off or, or disciplinary reasons where... You know, occasionally you got to sending off because you have to. A second yellow, big moment like that. You avoid situations, circumstantial. And then you have the ones that are habitual, where it's like almost like they need it as like uh, the drug. Did you play with any teammates that, that that were constantly getting sent
1: off? You know what? I was very fortunate. I never had any teammates that was getting sent off. I was always the ones that was always getting yellow cards, though. So I was always the one yeah. that's stacking up on those yellow cards and always getting a booking in a game. But I didn't really have a, a teammate it would mostly get sent off. No. So I was fortunate in most of the teams that I played for, but it's Sergio Ramos. We're used to it. He's competitive. Um, Paris Saint-Germain did well, you know, with 10 men to play for so long in the game and hold on and to get a draw. But again, do you, do you worry to think that this year, no matter what people say that this Paris Saint-Germain's team is, is Lionel Messi's team? Because like you said, no Messi, no goals, all the creativity generally is coming through Lionel Messi without him on the team. And, Playing that high up in that pitch, in between the back four, in between the opposition midfield and back four, getting the ball, becoming more of a facilitator that this Paris Saint Germain struggles to create and make things happen without him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the table though, with Paris Saint Germain, you've got Lorient in second place, a point behind. You've got Marseille behind them, Lons behind them, and Monaco, so uh, that are five, uh, six points off the pace at this point. So when it comes to the league, it doesn't matter, right? I don't think they 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 like their chances. There's no Giant under them, Marseille is a big club, but hard to keep pace with it with a PSG. But when it comes to their ultimate trophy, which they won, that is the Champions League trophy. Yes, you are 100% correct. This is Messi's team, and it's going to need to be Messi. When we go back a season ago, everybody was looking at whose team is it, right? Uh, we obviously saw Sergio Ramos was out in the very beginning for some time trying to figure out who owns this team, who runs this team, where, where what makes them tick. And we know that that's Messi that's going to be the one that has to deliver for them, uh, this year. I also didn't have. Uh, you know, I didn't spend enough time at any any one club to to really have that thematic player that that was getting sent off all the time. So I was fortunate as well. But, you know, I know plenty of them that that exist out there that you know, one, two times a year, they they know that they're either timing that red card perfectly so they can travel home and get a few days off in uh, a breather or they're just disciplinary. I mean, Sergio Ramos is again running his mouth and ended up getting, you know, I think it was two yellow cards in one moment um uh, just for 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 whatever he was saying. I have no idea what he's saying, but let's let's move this on. Uh, to final thoughts from the weekend: um, uh, England versus Italy and Ireland uh, screwed. France and ne- or Netherlands in uh, UEFA Euro 2024 qualifying draw. Any thoughts from that, or any final do, thoughts do, from around the world? The Ireland is screwed. Equally, That's a,
1: that was
2: that was that was placed right into the to the uh, into the run of show by our Irish producer here.
1: Yeah, and he even said it himself, that Ireland are not going to a big tournament for a very long time. So, yeah, Ireland are screwed, definitely. I think with England and uh, Italy, it's going to be great. It really is going to be great. I think the press and the media from both countries are going to bring up, obviously, the final. And I think it's going to be that game that's going to be the focal point. And it's going to be a reaction from England. I think England are going to want to avenge losing the final to Italy. So that is really going to make it a great game. Very spicy. And it's it's going to be... Uh, I don't know how long Gareth South is going to have, though. I'm honest with you, I think the performances recently have been good. He wants to stay on obviously for avenging that game, but I don't know if he'll, he'll be able to kind of make it that long. If I'm honest.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. And I, you know, after looking at the way those groups played out, cause I'd only seen the Ireland sort of draw, you think that, okay, you know, everyone's got it. <laughs> this is by far the hardest group in terms of the teams that yeah. are placed within all of that uh, for sure. Um, you know, for me, we, we've got, uh, the only thing I would say is, uh, on, uh, for North America, we've got deadline day happening. Uh, that is happening here in a few, uh, minutes. So, uh, for final day, final match day of the season with implications for major league soccer, give a look at that playoff, uh, implications on the line for those of you who do follow and pay attention, but that is it from us. As a reminder, Ian Joy will be back in the hot seat tomorrow for two live shows. The latest transfer news with Fabrizio Romano at 9 a.m. Eastern time followed by the Champions League Match Day 4 preview at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And you can catch me and Jimmy Conrad over in the In Soccer We Trust podcast at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for a thorough breakdown of the weekend's action from a U.S. men's national team perspective. Of course, thank you so much for listening to Kegelasso. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. It means a lot. It helps it to get found. It hits the algorithms, all of those things. And we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And of course, thank you so much to our producer, Des Norris, Nigel Rio Coker, Mike Lahizi LaHood. And uh, until next time, we will see you guys later.